Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Weird Era podcast. Today, we're talking to Sophie McCreesh, author of Once More with Feeling. Sophie McCreesh is a fiction writer living in Toronto. Her writing has appeared in Cosmonauts Avenue, Hobart, Bad Nudes, and elsewhere. Once More with Feeling follows Jane, an artist, navigating her closest relationship while fixating on her own perceived failures in self-imposed isolation. When Jane receives a student grant to attend a workshop in London, England, she sees the opportunity to leave her tedious life behind and start anew. Bringing along her new friend Kitty, who Jane will not admit she has little in common with, other than a shared appreciation for boxed wine and various other drugs. Darkly funny, piercing, and tender, once more with feeling is a portrait of a detached young woman trapped in the perils of self-loathing and addiction, who is searching for originality in an age of profound social disconnection and anxiety. Hi, Sophie. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thank you for having me. So, and this is, this is the second time that I'm saying this. We're launching uh, the second episode of season two, and I am saying it again. So now it's going to make me reflect on the books coming out this fall. But this was a really difficult book to read. There are a few <laughs> warm and bright spots in the text. I, I, there are few. I can't even think of one in the moment. I felt <laughs> so immersed in uh, your narrator, you know, Jane's self-destruction. It felt bleak. Sitting with the book was a bleak experience. But the thing is, what I found interesting is that's what real depression is. This feeling of stuckness, uh, a complete grayness over your life. So while it was hard for me to sit with it, I, I definitely wanted to, for its honesty, I say this a lot, but it was difficult. So my question was, in publishing, we talk a lot about unlikable characters and the pleasures in reading them. Do you have any thoughts on unlikable books? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that writing this book, I feel like I just, it just felt like an exercise where I was being honest. And I feel there were definitely, when I first started writing it, it was, I was a lot younger when I first started it. Um, and I did have moments where I was kind of just like, oh, is this too much or what's, uh, but I mean, once I, I sort of like stumbled upon, uh, Mary Gateskill, uh, who. Queen. Yeah. (laughs) She is queen. Yeah. Yeah. And not to, like, use Mary Gateskill as my excuse or anything, but um, I definitely, uh, I mean, I don't know. I just found it, her writing, like, almost comforting, even, which is weird, maybe, but it was, even though it was really bleak. And then it sort of gate, when I was reading that, it sort of, something clicked, and I felt like I had permission almost to sort of, like, go where it ended up going and stuff. Um, But yeah, it is, it is sort of a really extreme, extreme. I don't know if that's the word. It's a, it is a very bleak book and I have been reflecting sort of uh, if anyone, I mean, it's, it's been a, it's been a hard time for everyone. Like if anyone is even gonna, like, I hope people enjoy it and it's not awful. (laughs) um to read or anything um but yeah so that's sort of and then I mean the unlikable character I 
I feel like there's a lot that's always said about that. I don't know if I have much to add. I'm just, I am sort of someone who tends to like the unlikable character, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. totally. I am too. And and again, I, I'm, I'm realizing now it certainly wasn't my intention when I was first preparing questions for the different books this season, but it's really not like, it's <laughs> kind of repetitive. I'm being kind of repetitive. I'm realizing that now, but that oh, no. must mean that there's like, a common thread, right, that's, like, circulating through the latest list, I guess, that I've been introduced to. But you point out that in reading Mary Gatesgill, queen shit, uh, truly, I love her, um, <laughs> that you, you know, you acknowledge the bleakness in her writing, but you pointed to a bright spot, which was that it was comforting. Um, and so I'm wondering you know, it's hard to talk about your own text, right? You you don't know how people are going to read it, but you're a reader as well. Um, yeah. Is that something that you think you seek out in terms of prose um, and in fiction? Uh, yeah, I think I think it is. I mean, I I feel like I I just I don't have as much patience if a story seems to be sentimental or. Um, I don't have an example offhand and I don't want to think of an example, but uh, yeah, I do. I do sort of, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just like seek out that sort of bleakness, but I was actually, one of the points I've been, or one thing I've been reflecting on is I'm reading uh, Patricia Lockwood's uh, No One Is Talking About This. Another great, uh, great text. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so good, but I don't know why, but it's ma- it's making me so sad. Um, it's very, I find it to be a very sad book. And then, uh, like, obviously, there's no comparison between my text and that text, or and not like trying to compare them. But it has made me reflect, sort of like, is this how people feel reading my book, or like, <laughs> like, because it's so, it's really sad. Um, no, I mean, is that your? Was that your feeling writing the book? Um, I mean, yeah. So when I wrote the book, I I wrote. I wrote it as a novella at first and then I someone gave me the advice to just like leave it alone. Um, I got to a point where I actually couldn't read it. I was sort of cringing and also just kind of like, whoa. Um, what do you mean? And that, like, like it was yeah. too, it was too much. Yeah, a little bit. I was just kind of like, Jane's, Jane's wild. What is she even doing? Right, right, right. <laughs> She's messy. She's messy. Yeah, she's pretty messy. Um, yeah. yeah, she's 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 definitely not likable. Like, she's the worst. Um. But I mean, I also understand <laughs> what it is to like unlikable characters. I don't like to suggest yeah. that there's a binary of like one or the other. Obviously, the point is yeah. that humans are all, you know, different facets of, of, of that side. But it's more about the mood of a book. Um and this, the mood of this book, I mean, you're even snarky about it sort of with the title, you know, Once More with Feeling. That's, that's from Broadway. That's, that's literally, you're, you're poking fun at, at Jane and maybe yourself as the writer, right, with that title. Um, do you think that, is that a fair thing to say or? I, th- I think so. I think what also, just side note, there's like this random, like, 
musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, of course. Once more with feeling. Yes. The, yeah, yeah, where they all sing. Yeah. And I, I, I can't, for some reason, I can't watch it because I get really emotional when Giles sings. He's such a good singer. He sings part time. I'm a hardcore Buffy fan. So this is Oh, like, really? Yeah. 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 I can, I can sing that soundtrack. I can't sing, but I could recite the lyrics to you top to bottom from that whole episode. Well, <laughs> that's an incredible talent to have. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't I think feel like so. no, I feel like there's gonna be a day where that's gonna really serve you well. I mean, when I was a preteen, <laughs> I, I was able to just like annoy my sister with it all the time. That was pretty cool. Um, but totally, but even that Buffy reference is, you know, again, pulling yeah. from Broadway um and like sort of contrasting this like really cheery, you know, like idiom with like the mood of a a, a heavy mood. Yeah, I do. I do think it works on that level. It also like the sounds. It it works on a very like uh, very simple level as well. Like they're you know they're gonna just take drugs once more, <laughs> right? Um, right. But I don't know. Um, but yeah. So I mean, I really like how the title came out. Like I definitely had a couple of other titles, and my editor was sort of like, oh, "I don't know," but it's. But yeah, I I, uh, I do like that one. I want to explore this idea of being young, and I guess intoxication and drugs. You know, like we were saying, but specifically the intoxication that comes from being validated by love at such a young age. Um, we all sort of know this to be true, right? We call it like young and in love and dumb and in love. Or <laughs> maybe those are the only, though I only call it those two things, but we don't really, you know, we literally say the term like intoxicated and, and we're referring to this feeling of being, again, heavily in love, but we don't really acknowledge that it literally has the word toxic in it. You know, I'm thinking of a scene early in the book where our narrator, Jane, finds an older lover um, sort of mentioning uh, their future marriage. And this pleases Jane so much, it literally serves as a balm to like her all-consuming anxiety. Um, And I guess I just wanted to talk about that again. Like literally in, in the book, you say, you know, Jane welcomes sleep after her partner, lover has said this to her. And alongside this and many references to alcohol and drugs and, you know, general substance abuse, I guess I kind of want to talk to you about this idea of what does it mean for a balm to be toxic? Because that sounds kind of contradictory, right? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I, I mean, yeah, I have sort of thought a lot about what their relationship is. And I think... Like I feel like Richard sort of has an awareness that she's in a she's in a rut and stuff, um, and he's always around. And then I have sort of, I mean, the main purpose he serves in her life, I guess, is that he he's kind of this like companion to her, and she's someone who I wouldn't say that she doesn't care what he thinks, but he she's he's someone that she can kind of confide in, in like a, in a, in a world that she's created for herself where she just feels like so isolated and stuff. And then he also sort of, and yeah, I think it is implied that like it does validate her in some way, just any attention and, and like the relationship is, is like the, 
the substances. It's like, it's just another thing. And then he also sort of serves the purpose that he, like, he literally brings her drugs and brings her stuff. And uh, I think, uh, but I didn't want to create like a, I didn't want to be didactic with their relationship or like create um, like a, a message with it in that, does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think you're not like the first person to tell me that. But I do think that there's something obviously that shifted just like culturally, uh, generally. Um, you know, we keep calling it like the post Me Too movement or whatever. Yeah. And of course, certainly you're not the first, you know, like young woman to write about a relationship where there's another young woman with a man who's, you know, maybe not the best. Like this is certainly not new necessarily, but there is something kind of fresh about how fiction has been exploring it. I feel like since um, our more contemporary shifts have happened and a lot of these, um, a lot of these texts seem, you know, if not pointed, then at least unaccidental, like not accidental. Um, So I feel like, and maybe do you agree that there's just like there's there is a bunch of young women writing about <laughs> their ex-boyfriends in a way that <laughs> they need to like it's a long time coming do you agree with that maybe and i am talking about fiction i'm definitely talking i'm not trying yeah. to like you know reflect <laughs> like you know behind the scenes or whatever in fiction i think that's happening for sure yeah, I think I definitely I definitely agree. I really like what you said about the shift and how things aren't accidental. Um I think just because this novel was I mean the the general like concept for this novel and and the drafts the first drafts were written like uh before I guess before me too or whatever. Right. Um like it is more of like a passive observation than like a pointed thing. And then I liked the way the, the idea of keeping it like that. Um, I guess for me, like, I don't, I don't think I would write about any of my ex-boyfriends, but just with when experiences happen and when they're like in relationships and stuff, like I, maybe because I'm like, slow or something it takes me like years and years to process what has happened and stuff and then maybe that's like oh maybe writing is like a way to cope with that or something um I don't know I was wondering like do you have any examples that come right to mind I'm trying to like quickly scan and think I mean the first book that like you know was so I'm 31. It had such a huge impact in terms of what I was reading with contemporary literature, but it was like Sheila Hetty's How Should a Person Be? Um, And there's just like, you know, obviously now I I asked the question and now I'm going to be stuck on the answers. Even sort of like the the romantic comedy behind Elif Batsman's The Idiot, like, um, or Lester, Raven Leilani's Lester, that was a huge hit last year too. There's like... Yeah. There's this kind of opening of a new kind of story to explore um, in terms of um, a sort of gendered and classical love story that just isn't so classical anymore. Not even just love story, just like romantic, sexual, Yeah, you know? 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I th- yeah, I think like, I think that would be something it, pr- it would just probably be something I'm exploring more in the novel I'm writing now. Yeah. You're working on another one. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And it is similar <laughs> themes you're feeling like, or maybe it's too early to tell. Um, I mean, it's, I don't want to say too much, sure. or, but I feel like I'm like working with multiple characters and um, it's, I, I feel like it's a bit, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's better. I, I don't know. That's great. That's great. <laughs> no, I, I, I have no idea. No, I, I, I'm like proud of what I've done, obviously, <laughs> but I, I think every writer sort of feels that way. Sort of. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a totally normal feeling. Yeah. And you know, like you've grown up grown up but like you're older you've read different things you feel like like you're genuinely better yeah yeah so I'm interested in it seeing how it turns out on page 16 Jane tells her therapist it's just easier to see feelings than to feel them all by yourself would you say this is your motivation as a writer um I don't know I mean I think I think just writing in itself is like a way of making sense of things and it's also like a way to provide companionship for yourself. I don't know if that sounds sad. No, that's but... really interesting. No one's ever actually really yeah. said that before. What do you mean by like building a world for yourself? I don't know. I mean, I I don't, I don't know how this is going to sound, but like if you're like I just I sort of like daydream a lot and like imagine conversations. <laughs> Where I'm amazing. No, but, <laughs> I mean, all um, of us do that. Yes, we all we all do that. Um, but it is just sort of—I don't even know how to explain it. But yeah, it is. It is just sort of like when I sit down to write, like I I can like make whatever world I want, and like it's kind of that's just something I find comforting and like. But I I'm, it, I mean I want to explore more. You know, you use the word companionship. Like, is that because of the? I just, to me, the way that I would read that is it's because you're creating worlds and creating people that interest you. And, um, you know, is that, is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what I mean. And just like the project is a companion and like, it's something that you're going to be doing for years. So hopefully it's a companion you like, I I guess. That's so interesting because, you know, isn't like the, the cliche sort of that like all writers hate to write. They like hate it. Um, (laughs) Well, not, I don't want to, you know, it doesn't have it's a cliche for a reason i don't know if it's necessarily true but um is that your that doesn't sound like it's your experience if you look at the vocation i don't know what you would want to call it as the medium as a companion are you one of those people who like hates writing um honestly i i really i do really enjoy writing um I don't know if I sound like I like have no fr- I have I promise I have like four friends like I'm not <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, but uh no I I mean I'm just kind of like a, a a weirdo and I like I I always kind of like laugh at my own jokes like a little too much while I'm writing I'll be like haha <laughs> and like I don't know like I just I do I'm not saying it's like this all the time sure. like, there are some there are definitely times like I don't want to do it but um, I do, like, generally have a good time. And you have a good relationship with writing. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> That's really lovely and refreshing to hear, to be honest, because it's, you know, it's sort of my job to interview and talk to authors all the time. And most 
writers, including myself, I hate it. I hate it until I'm in it. And then it's, you get to this in, in it period where you just are in love with it. And that's why you do it. I think I love reading. I never, even, even then sometimes I need to like, you know, just not touch a book for a while. Um, but that's really, really refreshing and endearing to hear. Um, the prose has a lot of sentences that sound like this. Uh, Jane likes that. Jane moves here. Jane doesn't like this. Jane has a drink. It's reminiscent of the sort of writing you'd find in a children's book, but it's very much not a children's book. Is that an intentional move on your part? I don't know. I think I think it just came with the territory of like writing in the third person present tense. It, it definitely isn't. It definitely the whole children's book type thing wasn't an intention or anything. And but it was definitely like it like the third person present tense was definitely like a commitment I made. And then it was I realized when it was too late that it was gonna be really hard. <laughs> really? You would have rather like you find the first person narrative easier. I I mean, I could, at the time I didn't want to do the first person narrative and I found um I, I don't can't really explain why, I'm not sure, but um I I don't know. I I just found it the third person like just as the novel grew and stuff I just found it like technically difficult and sometimes there were just times where I was like I don't know if I'm smart enough to even do like oh my god. I don't think you're this? alone in that. I really yeah. don't. And then <laughs> and like how did you, you know, get past that? concern uh I don't know I was just kind of like well it's too late now I need to figure it out (laughs) right right and you it seems like you just tried to write concise ultimately yeah yeah um I mean I know this is pretty I know all writers do this and it's pretty standard but there there were just like weird time it just felt like I just spent a lot of time cutting words like it was like a poem and I'm sure everyone who writes a novel does this, but it felt, it felt like a, like a little too much time. And I was just kind of like staring and <laughs> yeah. Like there's a music to yeah. it, right? There's sort of a music to it. Yeah. Yeah. On page 140 in describing Anna, you write, Anna carries the calculated hungry look of an apex predator It is the look of someone who has dedicated their life to nonviolent revenge, someone who has remodeled their brain to replay the calculated dream of it. Who is this person you're describing? I'm not saying who in the world. Like, tell me more about what you're saying here about this person. What is this person? I think I wanted to describe someone who is a bit stuck, Um, obviously not as bad as Jane or in the same way, but I wanted to sort of like convey that like Anna maybe isn't like, isn't going to fix Jane and isn't like the role model that Jane needs. And then the sort of like, I wanted to sort of like the whole stuck and like we rewired her brain um, just sort of, I wanted to convey like what can happen if you sort of, if someone is like holding on to a sense of anger in the sense that like, if you rate replay certain thoughts and activities, which like Jane is literally doing, um, you can get stuck. And Anna is a character who's like maybe grown out of that or is more self-aware about that. I, th- I think she's a, t- a tiny bit more self-aware, but not, 
Not all the way. Right. (laughs) And then on page 204, Jane finds herself overwhelmed by the words of Richard. She thinks Richard has brought up a future Jane, someone who loves herself. He took the time to do that. What do you think possibility means to a depressed person? What is the power or lack of impossibility? Wow, that's a very powerful question. (laughs) Um, I think... Um, I mean, I think for Jane, it was, uh, just like a small break from her cycle and, uh, that just the cycle of sort of depression and destruction. And I think that the unexpected, uh, sort of strange outburst from Richard, um, gave it, it allowed her to pause just for a small moment and sort of reflect on like, a different future and a different um, way of relating to herself in the world. I mean, that sounds very grand and intense, but like, I think that's the possibility for the depressed that can maybe happen. Yeah. Like it's possible to not always feel this way or to not always be this way. Yeah. In that moment though, it, I guess it probably was fleeting or maybe it can be, you know, ultimately shifting I, I guess I'm not trying to say that I've cured depression. <laughs> like, this is all it takes. Like, I don't think that that's it's how all, it works. Yeah. But I, I think it has a monumental, like, impact um, on someone who feels stuck, right? If they can actually open themselves up to possibility. Because possibility opens up a world where you're not stuck. Um, yeah, it, you know, the book is filled with this exact kind of melancholy, like, you know, this is sad. This is sad that this girl feels so limited about her own life and feelings and happiness that this one, you know, sentence, casual sentence has the ability to shift her perspective. But it's also sort of beautiful at the same time, which is why I'm saying melancholy. Um, My last question for you is such a horrible, cheesy, dumb question. But, but... In my defense, it has literally been asked to Fiona Apple so many times. So it can't be that dumb. Um, <laughs> does good art come from pain? Um, I'm going to say like a n- no. <laughs> say more. Uh, yeah, I, I think it comes from perspective and reflection maybe and – also just like I don't want to say hard work because that sounds not like not what I want to say but like it it comes with a sort of like a routine and like um a dedicate like a type of dedication like a time that you're dedicating I feel I feel like I'm maybe rambling no but but it sounds like you're talking um, about a work ethic more than anything yeah I don't know I mean but yeah it is uh someone can be in, in an extraordinary amount of pain and not have the words for it, right? Or someone could not be in an extraordinary amount of pain and, like, be able to imagine what it would be like and have the words for it in that sense. Makes sense, yeah. 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 Thank you, Sophie. This is great. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thanks. Um, St. Henry Books fam, uh, Once More With Feeling will be on the Weird Era shelf. Go pick it up. Thanks.